You are listening to Heal Yeah with Colleen Ziegler, produced by the Lighter Side Network. Visit thelightersidenetwork.com for hundreds of video episodes and podcasts exploring wholeness living, trance channeling, energy work, and more. The Lighter Side Network, where the everyday meets the extraordinary. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heal Yeah podcast. I am your host, Colleen Ziegler, and today in the studio, I have Corey Dobbins in front of me. Hello, Corey. Hello, Colleen. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> I'm super excited to be here. And I'm so happy that you're here. I really am. So Corey is the co-founder of the nonprofit, the Love and Light Institute. She is also the owner of Core Balance and Wellness. It's a massage therapy practice. Mm -hmm. She's an awesome massage therapist. And she's also a wonderful writer. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is how writing is not only a wonderful, beautiful art form, but it's also an outlet for healing. So share a little bit about your life as a writer. It's funny because for so long, I didn't know I was a writer. You know, I think that it's easy to say, oh, somebody else is doing that. They're publishing books and they're, um, you know, making a living off of this or they're published. And um, really writing is anytime you put your words on paper. The reasons I write, it feels like a compulsion almost. It's it has to be done, and it's been like that since I was a child. So um, journaling, scribbling on pieces of paper, writing these little cheesy poems uh, about all the um, complexities about life. I was, as a child, really concerned how I came to be in my body, and it really freaked me out. So I wrote all these poems and these musings about, well, why did my spirit choose this body? And Oh, my gosh, I love this. It's really – yeah, it, it's, it's – um, it's kind of funny now when I look at it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, Do you have those writings? Um, I may have one or two around. It's it's more uh, in my memory, right? And so in those threads of like, existential crisis really continued through my 20s too. So it just gets better and better. And and I think I got better and better too, which is kind of hilarious. So um, uh, I spent a stint uh, writing spoken word and, and performing out. And because what I had to say had to be heard, right? And um, it was a little bit self-indulgent, and um, that's really hilarious to look back on because I can find these these pieces that I wrote in my early 20s, and it's just laughing. I'm just dying laughing because um, it's funny, and it's um, it's raw, and there's lots of questions about life and um, and becoming, right? And doesn't it highlight who you were at that time? Not only who you were, but who those other people were doing the spoken word around you. Wasn't there kind of a common theme or did you find differences? Yeah. So common theme, I think with any with people going on stage and in that format, they're really kind of musing about, well, what's my purpose? What does the culture have to say about it? What do I have to say about the culture and where do I fit? Those are really kind of the themes that I wrote about and the themes that I saw and the, the, the themes and the podcasts and the books I read still, I'm just like, okay, so what's the purpose of this? Like, are we finding truth? Are we discovering truth? And how does it uh, relate to the collective narrative? So the common theme here, from what I'm hearing, is just honest storytelling. Yeah, I would, I definitely agree with that. The, the ability to really be honest. It, well, first, let's back up. You have to, um, I believe that in memoir writing, there's so much about truth and finding truth and and having done some healing work and putting some for me I've I've needed to put distance between 
some of those things in my life that were challenging or traumatic so I can be honest about them. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we don't, I didn't know that I was being dishonest because I hadn't done the work internally to understand and have a perspective that led to truth. Hmm. And so the writing process, really, if you look at the trajectory of my writing on particular subjects, right, it's like blame, 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 everything else. And then it's like, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, I'm a victim. And then now I'm like, I'm just an empowered badass and I'm writing and I've got a love it. distance, right? And I can really share what we're talking about, that collective narrative, because we all have stories of trauma and we all have stories of pain and grief and loss and success and hope and overcoming. Mm-hmm. And so I think what separates, you know, memoir from other other writing styles is that it is an urge. Like I've known for years that I have a story or a series of stories to tell, but I didn't have enough distance in my healing journey for me and my comfort to tell those stories until now. I love it. And I'm so glad you're doing this work. I really am. I just love watching the path of Corey. <laughs> <laughs> So when you told me you were taking a memoir class, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, this is awesome. I can't wait to see what what comes out of it. And the class is done. Mm-hmm. And it was how long? Uh, it was eight weeks. Eight weeks. Yeah. And you did it with 12 other students. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you had a guide. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to call her a teacher. Yeah. What so- was she? She referred to herself as a facilitator, really. Mm -hmm. So it was a critique class, which when I went into it, I was like, I'm going to sit with my pen and paper, and she's going to give me a step-by-step guide on how to write a memoir. I was like, I'm just going to listen, and I'm going to absorb, and I'm going to follow these rules, and I'm going to do this thing. And I got there, and she was basically said, okay, next week we need everybody to sign up, and we're going to start critique. This is a critique class. And I was like, holy shit. (laughs) So I have to bring in work? And let people read it and then sit for 20 minutes and just allow people to give me feedback and critique. And and that was incredibly intimidating because in my mind, I'm like, these are writers. You know, this is the first time I had put myself in an environment where everybody in the room identified as a writer. Mm-hmm. And so even though my writing journey has been a lifetime, me actualizing it and grabbing a hold of this identity is very new, right? And, and an honest identity. Yes. And right? An yeah. identity that is, you're sharing your story. It's not even the stories that you're making up. It's no. it's your raw, it's like opening your wound for everybody to see. Yeah. Right? So tell me, I'm picturing a memoir class, mm-hmm. because whenever I think of someone writing a memoir, I can't help but think of, it's someone who has been through it mm-hmm. in some way, in some shape or form, they've been through it, and now they want to share that with others, both to heal themselves as well as what you called before the common collective, who takes a memoir class? Who are these 12 people with you in class? Yeah. So, uh, so for me, I'm, my focus is really trauma and addiction and sobriety. So that's my, that's my wheelhouse. That's where I'm coming from. And so all of my stories are really woven with these, these threads and these themes. And so I just expect it because I am of my own world, right? So I'm just like, okay, so everybody in the room is going to be talking about addiction, right? No, I was the only one talking about addiction in that room, which shocked me. Because I think that the conversation about addiction is so prevalent and, mm-hmm. and we're really acknowledging it more and there's all th- types of ways to 
find healing and community around it. So, you know, the, some of my classmates were, they're just so impressive, right? Everybody who shared, I was like, oh my gosh, like, how did they do that? And wow, and they're heroes and sheroes. And um, so as a demographic, in our particular class, there was 11 women and one man. Mm. So I think that is fairly indicative of uh, memoir classes and memoir as a, as a genre. It's interesting. I'm thinking just briefly in my head, mm-hmm. the memoirs that I've read, which I've read a lot, mm-hmm. I think they've all been written by women. Have they? <laughs> yeah. It never even occurred to me until you just said that. Yeah. And um, and they really ran the the. the Themes. So there was, you know, me with addiction, there's grief and loss and uh, caretaking for people in your family who are ill. D- there was this particular woman in the class who just wrote her, she was so funny, right? And everything she wrote, there's two people actually that were just so funny and it, they were just writing funny stories about their childhood, right? So, um, so maybe one of them had a pet goat. And, you know, they're talking about the pet goat or they're talking about the um, their cat, you know, and because they're such talented writers, like you can see the universal truth mm-hmm. in how you care for an animal. And it's hilarious. And uh, so memoirs is very broad and you can take seriously any story, any experience in your life and write a book about it, which is a little overwhelming, right? It is a little <laughs> overwhelming because... <laughs> Going back to what I said before, here I come in and I'm assuming <laughs> because you want to write a memoir, you've been through it. Boy, you've yeah. been through the, the challenges and the trenches. Maybe that's all the memoirs that I'm reading. Yeah, it might are, be what you're attracted to. It is. It is. I'm, a, I'm attracted to real life stories mm-hmm. because it's like, you know, you can't make that shit up. <laughs> yeah, and even with you my can't. classmate, brilliant writer, very comedic, I the whole time I was reading her stuff, I was waiting for the trauma. I was waiting for something to be, you know, I was like, was she abused as a child? Did she lose a parent? Did her dog die? Did, you know, and I'm wanting to create mm-hmm. chaos for her because I know it's coming, right? I didn't get to see it. I don't know if it ever comes um, because class is only eight weeks and, you know, hopefully she'll publish a badass book and we'll get to find out. But um, but there is this craving, I think, when we're talking about stories is like, well, why is this, why is this relevant how is it important? How is it going to broaden my life? So we talked a little bit beforehand. Again, I try not to talk too much before the podcast, but something you had said is how that memoir class was actually kind of like group therapy. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I actually said, there should be a licensed professional counselor in a memoir group. <laughs> because of what we were talking about before, because yeah. there is a lot of trauma involved, 100%. a lot of... Yep. Um, healing that needs to happen. and, and all Well, of so in my lens is trauma, right? So I'm trauma informed in the, the way that I approach life at this point. And so I'm pretty certain there should be a licensed professional therapist or some guide of knowing around us at all times, right? Whether mm-hmm. that's God or a spirit or a person. And so especially in these highly potentially volatile situations where people are really raw and you're writing and writing is a really personal act that mm-hmm. we do. Well, and that's also highlights how, you know, a lot of healers out there are disguised as writing teachers exactly. or, you know, gas st- station attendant or, um, you know, gosh, they, they come in all shape and form. So it's not just def- what our definition of a healer might be. Mm-hmm. So that writing teacher, I'm sure the whole process for her as well, I don't know how many memoir classes she has taught in her life, but she's got to see that parallel. 
of how it is like yeah, therapy and, she, and a healing process. Which I appreciated. You know, she acknowledged that. She's like, you know, memoir is, it's emotional and it, it can bring up things and you could essentially hear something your classmates saying and it could trigger you. Mm. Even if she didn't use the word trigger, that's how I yeah. you know, adapted it in my mind. And um, and you're going to piss some people off. You're going to piss, oh yeah, <laughs> that was like the biggest lesson. Like it's your story and you're going to piss somebody off. Just hopefully you don't get sued. Right. And so, <laughs> so, you know, when I'm writing and there was a piece that I submitted and I, I shifted a lot of blame in this piece and, and it was like, are you sure you want to tell that story about that person in your family that way, you know, because is this really, I'm like, oh, okay. So you have to step back and think mm. and reshift perspective. And it's the, the healing opportunity in this writing process is just, it's incredible. It's exciting. Yeah. It's exciting. I mean, I never really thought about that. You you write something and then it's critiqued and they say, wait a second, back up and shift that blame. Yeah. What are you hiding? What are you And then all of saying? a sudden that heals it all for you too, because you start seeing it mm -hmm. in a different way. A hundred percent. Yeah. You, you're not there. To, I'm not there to tell somebody else's story. They could write their own story. So after that memoir class, what's what's coming up for you? What's coming up for you in your healing journey you going to continue to write? Do you feel like it, it opened things up for you? Did it shut them down and make you want to look at them a little bit longer? So it definitely opened it up for me. I have been waiting, you know, like I, I think I've done in my life and take a stab at most people have done this in their life where they wait for the right time to mm. do something. And maybe there is a right time, maybe there isn't. I don't know, because when you arrive at the time, it just is the time. So I, um, I hear you. I've arrived at this time where I can't, I'm not turning back now. So awesome. it is like turned on. I am, I put myself on a schedule where I'm writing, um, two essays minimally a month that are five to nine pages. And then I'm submitting them to my friend who's an editor and she's, she's been amazing and she's been editing. And then I have a, I've created a reading group where I just sit, post them on this, this site and I share it and they read and at the end of three months, I'm going to have a little gathering and I'm going to ask them to help me with themes and threads and have a one like half day critique class basically. Wow. So you've created this beautiful, wonderful, supportive community yeah, for yourself. I really believe in interconnectedness, you know, and so yeah. and I rely on it like crazy. And She's so, telling the truth for sure. Yeah. Here. Corey, Corey is a connector <laughs> and a community builder. That that should have been part of your description, right? That's my at the beginning of the podcast because you you truly are you truly know how to connect and build community, and it's a really beautiful thing. Thank you. And part of the the writing process and building this little group is two things. One is self doubt, so a little bit of motivated by well, really, can I do this? Is it good enough? Am I good enough? Is my story compelling enough? Um, so I need some feedback. I just need encouragement, mm -hmm. right? And so I'm like, okay, I'm just going to own that. I need encouragement. And the other is um, that it's what I have. It's just that again, that compulsion, like what I have to do, and what um, it's the, that interconnectedness and that the spirit of the collective. It's so powerful and it's so motivating. And then there's a third thing. The third thing is that um, I was diagnosed with a learning disability in college, which is all about receptive and expressive language in written form. So I'm also facing this, um, this belief and this, this, um, this reality that I'm challenged when it comes to writing 
and focus with writing and expressing ideas. Uh, and so I write five to nine pages because that's really all I can focus on. And so once I hit five to nine pages, somewhere in there, my brain just starts to get so confused over all the possibilities and the threads and the lines. So I just decided I'm going to write stories that are short and I focus on one thing and then I'll put them all together and see how it's created this book. And, and what's going to happen with this book? Do you want to publish it? Yeah, I want to publish it. Awesome. So I plan on publishing it. Um, I don't want to self-publish. I want to publish. And so that's what I'm putting out there. Yeah, put it out there and, right now. Uh, yeah. So, so Corey's memoir will be out uh, fall of 2019. <laughs> that might be a little fast. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just, you know, it's happening. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. What advice would you give people who who want to write? I mean, there's so many of us that like, you know, journaling and diary. Um, what do you call that when you write a diary? Diarying. <laughs> It sounds a little close to diarrhea. It does. Diary so I'm just going to say journaling. The pouring out of. Yeah. Forgive me for <laughs> my diarying. <laughs> uh, but so many of us did that when we were younger, especially mm -hmm. I will I will venture to say most of us ladies did that when yeah. we were younger. Keeping a diary or a journal was was something you did. But now, when we're older, not so much. So how can we step into writing as, as part of our healing process? Hmm. How do you step into writing as part of your healing process? I think it's, it's such a, you can really keep it as a personal act, right? So it's a, you can call it a personal act of kindness, of compassion, or badassery, mm -hmm. or you know, it, whatever you want to frame it as, but it's just for you, right? So I've been writing for my lifetime for just me. And um, that's been really great. And uh, I'm picturing your journal on the cover saying My Badassery <laughs> by Corey Dobbins. By Corey Dobbins. The Life of Corey Dobbins, My Badassery. So interesting. <laughs> so interesting. And so, so keeping it, keeping it yeah, private. Yeah. So, and well, for some people, just private and personal, it's your space. And, um, you know, and then uh, the process. So I've used my journals in therapy settings. And so there's things that I process maybe with a therapist or a spiritual guide, um, energetic therapist. I'm talking about energetic therapist or psychotherapist. It's any type of, um, for me, I've, I've encompassed quite a bit of therapy in my life. And so I'm not just saying psychologist when I say therapist, mm. um, but a trusted source to be part of the, the healing journey. And I'll use things I pick up from sessions and I'll go write about it. And then for further processing, I might share that with the therapist because so much more clarity is going to come out of the writing for me mm -hmm. than what I can do verbally in the moment that something's being discussed. Oh, I like that. I like that. So I know that you brought some of your writings I did. with you, which I am thrilled that you want to share with us. And I really thank you for your vulnerability with that. And so let us know, kind of set up the piece that you're going to read for us. Okay, so this is a piece um, titled Backseat Detox. And the scene is me detoxing in the backseat of a car because that's where one should detox. I'm joking. <laughs> you shouldn't detox in the backseat I'm only of the laughing car. at Corey because I know her so well. <laughs> 
<laughs> and really, we know that this is how you've gotten through this, is that we can laugh at we, it now. You have to laugh. Oh However, gosh. it's not a laughing matter to detox in the backseat no. of a car, but to get to the point in your life where you're writing about it. Yeah. So the good thing about memoir is that we've arrived to the other side. Yes. I'm here. So this is the uh, first couple paragraphs of backseat detox. Unlucky people detox in the backseat of a Nissan Stanza traveling from Georgia to California. I was unlucky and certain I was going to die. My thoughts faded and I had arrived at my dead end. It was painful. It was disgusting. My intestines knotted up in violent spasms. The scent of sweat, a soft metallic with hints of sweetness. The only proof that there was still sweetness inside of me somewhere. The diarrhea was protesting my death, showing me that I was, in fact, still alive. My voice was not my own, the gut-wrenching moans and words that made little sense. The inside of my skull was itching with expectation of relief that never seemed to come. A quick fix would have lifted all of this. To continue the dismantling of my chemical addiction, my body deployed its most deadly weapon, a high and distressing fever. It was a necessary torture. I felt unworthy of reprieve from the pain and depth of anxiety pulsing through my body. I was reduced to nothing. I was coming off of a four-day sleepless binge. The shadow people of psychosis were chasing me. I had no choice but to run. My existence was questionable. Lucky people detox under medical guidance and supervision. I was unlucky. In sobriety circles, it's called a geographical move. It was my effort to escape addiction by putting space between Atlanta and me. Most importantly, I was putting space between my girlfriend and me. I needed to kick her, the drugs, and reassemble my life. The combination of vices was ripping me apart piece by piece. It would take many more years to dismantle the psychological web of addiction to my girlfriend, who doubled as my dealer. Wow. First, that's beautiful. Thank you. It really is. Because I think that the honesty that's coming through there is raw. Mm-hmm. Like we were saying, it's, it's really raw. But at the same time, you're a beautiful storyteller. You know, to sit there and and to be able to tell a story that's your own, but to be an outsider looking in, Mm -hmm. you know, to go, that was another lifetime ago. That's not, it's not Corey anymore. So I can, I can talk about it because that was literally in another lifetime. And I do have to say, I feel a little flushed right now. So reading it, it's, it is, it becomes uh, real. It becomes real. It's a vulnerable experience to, um share mm-hmm. right and so I, I don't want to be up here going well that was so easy and um you know it definitely like I'm okay mm-hmm. you know but and it, I'm like whoa okay I just shared that and that's cool right and it is very true and writing this piece was very um it took me many versions to get to the truth and the honesty in this mm-hmm. piece I really um washed over how difficult it was in many of the writings if you could see the the version the draft after draft after draft it started with oh so I moved from Atlanta to California and I detoxed on the way you know to that and so it it takes it takes some digging in because you had to go back there and be that person Mm -hmm. who was detoxing in the back of the car yeah and that can't be an easy journey no having to travel back there you know one of my friends said the other day to me after listening to to one of these podcasts she said vulnerability is going to heal the whole damn world (laughs) oh my god I love that (laughs) I know I want to use it as my tagline so I'm going to give credit Susan Edwards you're amazing thank you Susan but she when she said that I was like you know what she's right vulnerability is going to heal the whole damn world so you telling 
your story, one, is healing for you. Two, it's healing for me knowing you and knowing all of those people who have detoxed. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if they're in the back of the car, under medical supervision, anything like that. That is a huge – or just been someplace in our life where we feel like, oh, my God, am I ever going to get out of this? Yeah, because this describes a detox scene. However, it could describe grief. It can, Absolutely. You know, who hasn't been sick – with diarrhea or vomiting when they've lost someone super close to them. You know, it's, it's, it's a universal res- like physiological response to uh, something going on in our lives. What I'm thinking and what's occurring for me is thinking about going through a detox and how present you must feel in that detox. Does that make sense? Like you, it, it has to be such a feeling of, I don't think this is ever going to end. <laughs> I'm never going to feel better. I don't want to put words in your, in your no, mouth. No, and I hint feelings. to that when I say all of this could essentially, like, I could have a fix and this would all go away. Mm-hmm. Like, it would have been... It'll make it all better. ...that easy and that complicated, right? So if I just had something, it would have taken all that away and I could have been like, okay, still going. Yeah. I'm still an addict. <laughs> Thank you again for sharing. You're welcome. I really, really appreciate it. So just getting... Uh, back to you a little bit, Corey, and your story of sobriety. Can you share that a a little bit with us? Yeah. So uh, it is definitely not a straight path, mostly because I'm super gay, but no. (laughs) Was that good? (laughs) (laughs) We don't have the drum here, Totally not a straight path. (laughs) So so that, that little snippet that I share about detoxing in the backseat was just part of one of the detoxes I had, right? So Mm -hmm. that was me uh, getting off of meth. And, um, but in reality, alcohol had always been really the thread and the thing that I started first and kept a hold of the longest. So Mm -hmm. I detoxed off of methamphetamines and then uh, just drank more, you know? So I had this one heroin detox and this clarity and I was just like oh my god basically I was I said oh I survived meth everything else is easy and so it gave me this weird um like confidance em- yeah and it empowered you <laughs> yeah it empowered me to rationalize even more is what it did right and so it wouldn't be till um three years ago that I got sober I started drinking early in life so um and I explore this through uh, my healing journey and through writing is how much of that is genetic, environmental, um, and circumstance, right? <clears throat> and so I think there's many things that led to it, and um, I don't think we need to get into that right now. So it's it's just a, it's a journey of uncovering what is true for you as the person with alcoholism or addiction. And I do identify as an alcoholic. And... Um, I like to say recovered alcoholic, and that's controversial in some of the sobriety circles, right? Because it's like you have to be in this perpetual act of recovering. And so I like saying recovery, and sometimes I get stressed out about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I so, say, what works best for you? <laughs> what works best, right? And so, <laughs> got to um, use the language that works best for you. Yeah. And so I, um, I, I went through kicking meth and then after that I got I drank more and made uh, more risky decisions with my body and with my um, time and energy and just the things that I was doing that was uh, 
unhealthy, so <laughs> to say the least. And then um, eventually I ended up stopping with cocaine and stopping with pot even. So like I smoked a lot of weed and um, throughout the years I was like, well, if I can shed all these other things and it was all this rationalization really, it was all just a way for me to keep alcohol in my space. Mm -hmm. So if I went to work and I, I always showed up and I didn't drop my commitments and I didn't call in sick, then I was successful. And so everything I did was really to manufacture this ability to continue my drinking mm. and until when I hit 38 and it, things just got really bad and I was really unhealthy and I was facing uh, some medical situations, landed me in uh, a surgery, a pretty major surgery. And then uh, I came out of that surgery and my grandmother died. My grandmother died a week before my surgery and then my, one of my best friends died and my sister-in-law died. And I wasn't healing, right? So I'm coming out of the surgery and I just wasn't healing. And my body was like, what, what are you doing to me? And I, and I was pissed. I was like, what the hell? You're like, what are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? Like, <laughs> this, we need to be over this. Yeah. And I'll never forget two weeks after this major surgery and all, I'm in the middle of this grief and loss and I'm just getting trashed. And I'm drinking and I'm just like, woe is me. I, you know, why can't I heal as I'm drinking Manhattans and, you know, like triple Manhattans because I, you know, told my wife, I only have two drinks, and so I made sure those were like either ten percent beers, <laughs> you know, by alcohol content, or double or triple Manhattan. Mm. So I would only have two beers, right? So there's all kinds of ways we manipulate situations and mm -hmm. make sure that we can keep this thing in our lives, right? And I remember I used to refer to it as my best friend. Mm. Um, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. Um, I couldn't imagine giving it up. I was like, it's been. It's been like this alcohol is this entity, right? That is has been with me for so long. I didn't. I did not. I couldn't even. I couldn't conceptualize what life would look like without it, because I had manufactured everything in my life to make sure it could stay, mm. right? And so I just hit my breaking point. You know, people call it a bottom. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was a bottom. I'm not sure. You know, uh, I think I have had many bottoms. And over the years, and I would say that this one was an emotional bottom. The other had been physical or something so severe, like getting addicted to meth and all that, which seemed really even out of my comfort zone, mm -hmm. where um, I was just emotionally dying and, and psychically, so energetically. And um, I didn't really, it's like going back to memoir writing, it's like, it's a compulsion. So I just knew, it's like, if I'm ever going to live a healthy life, I've got to try to be sober. Mm. And if I'm, if my body's going to, I'm a massage therapist, right? So finally my body was like, are you going to listen to me? <laughs> right. And so I finally, I was like, oh, my body's talking to me. Mm. Okay. So screaming, it's screaming. screaming. <laughs> it's like, I just put, you know, you just had major surgery and you're still drinking, you know? And so I ended up quitting. Um, I had surgery on April 1st, 2016. And uh, my sobriety date is June 8th. Um, and so I haven't had a sip of alcohol since then. It's been coming up on three years. Mm -hmm. So it feels really good. And it feels like, um, you know, it, it's it's something that I I pay attention to. And I, you know, went to an AA meeting yesterday. And I have a group of sober friends that I've met through my process and um, my writing has uh, my writing has really really benefited from my sobriety. <laughs> Let's say that that might be you know one of the biggest rewards, one of them. Not to mention like connection in my friendships and relationships and living honestly and 
not lying and all these things mm-hmm. that come with addiction. I'm thinking about what an inspiration you are, truly, for for doing something so challenging at such a challenging time in your life. And I thought that, I thought this very thing then too, because I, I knew you when you were going through all of that. And right. to see, I'm just trying to think of it like, the word for it, just you were getting bombarded <laughs> with so much in such a short period of time and to have, you know, this addiction that you're trying to take care of at the same time. I mean, what an inspiration to others to really say, you can do this and you don't have to wait for the perfect time to do it because I picked the worst time to do I it. I really did pick the worst time. <laughs> I mean, really. Maybe that's why they call it a bottom, right? Yeah, it's, I don't want to label that for yeah, you, but no. you picked a, a super challenging time in your life to take on something like that. And I also think that says something huge about you is that Corey Dobbins can conquer the world. <laughs> really, you know, you put your mind to something and, and you did it. And that's that's really beautiful. Well, thank you. Uh, and thank you for noticing too, right? So it's so easy to feel like you're alone mm-hmm. as, uh, when you're dealing with any type of crisis, right? And something that feels really personal and that um, it, I think it's really easy. And I know for me, it's has been really easy to um, to feel not seen because of just the chaos going on internally. And so going through the process of that first year of becoming sober, I call it becoming sober. I think it took me, even though I wasn't physically drinking or using any substances, um, I was just holding on. Mm. Like, especially that first year I, I was, um, literally it was just like hanging off a cliff all the time. And, um, it, there's no other way to explain it. And it's not like that cool guy who does the free soloing and climbed El Capitan, you know, where he can really hang off cliffs and he doesn't feel like he's in a crisis. He's in his heaven. Like I would not be in heaven Mm -hmm. in that situation. I see it. Right. So it feels very different coming on my third year. And, uh, um, now I'm, um, helping people in their own sobriety and, um, writing and, it just feels good. And of course, you know, running a healing business yeah. that uh, required some honesty from me. And um, I didn't really talk widely about my journey in sobriety, especially that first year. And I had a lot of like, oh, I'm a healer. And I, I there's this idea of how I should be or shouldn't be. Mm. And I have these clients and, and you know what, fuck all that. Like yeah. it's really like the more honest I am, you're human. The better everything <laughs> else is, right? Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things with people who are doing healing work. And again, healing work is all work if you're doing it yeah. in a healing way, is is to let go of those expectations that other people might have of you because they're unrealistic. They're unrealistic. I mean, we all are here in our human bodies having this human experience and we're all going to be doing human things. Yeah, and they're kind of false, right? They're all just yes. from this ego, like, I need to be this certain thing because somebody may think I'm this certain thing. Like, no. Yeah. It, it's all just a, it's a, it's gaslighting. Yeah. <laughs> gaslighting yourself. Yes. Right? It is. It's gaslighting yourself. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Blech. Yeah, right? <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Accept your humanness. Accept your faults. 
Corey, I really want to thank you for joining me today. Uh, this is a topic that I have been wanting to cover, yeah. the, the writing as a healing process. And then really thank you for your vulnerability, really, and sharing your truths with us today. I, I really, I know you, and so I know some of these things and some of the things I didn't know. And so I really appreciate you being so open and honest. Yeah, you're so welcome. It's a... Uh, it's a, tr a treat. <laughs> I like that you're calling it a treat. <laughs> it's a treat to talk to, talk with you about this. And I think of, um, you know, for me, memoir writing is going to be a lot about addiction. And for somebody else, it may not be. And it's okay because I, I think that if you have a compulsion to share a story, then share it in whatever capacity that is. Like, I know I want to pu be published. Mm -hmm. um, three years ago, I was like, I'm just going to write in my journal. And that felt just as satisfying. So... Um, right, right, right. Just right. I love it. It's that easy. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we will see you all next time. Thank you so much for listening to Heal Yeah. The ideas expressed by guests are not necessarily Colleen's personal beliefs. Information received from Heal yeah is not to be used as a substitute for medical or psychological advice. See and hear more from Colleen by subscribing to The Lighter Side Network at www.thelightersidenetwork.com. The Lighter Side Network, where the everyday meets the extraordinary.